This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. We are going to wrap up our series on the book of Exodus this morning. Uh, If you've been with us the last couple of weeks, we've been going through the book of Exodus. Uh, If you don't know where that is, you go all the way to the front of the Bible and just flip ahead a few pages. You're, you're right about there. So, But uh, we've been going through the Exodus, and uh, we've been kind of doing it at uh, kind of 100 miles an hour because there's a lot, to, a lot to cover. But the first week, Rich talked about uh, the first little section of, of the book of Exodus where we, um, we find the people of Israel in Egypt and in oppression, and uh, we meet Moses. And Rich talked about how God heard and God saw and God remembered and God knew. He knew his people were in, in bondage. And, and no matter what kind of struggle we're in, Rich reminded us that, that God is there with us. He's there with us. He hasn't forgotten us no matter what it feels like. God's always there. He hasn't forgotten us and he will be with us no matter what we're, what we're going through. Now last week, Sam took it from there and, um, and he talked about God's guidance and God's provision how uh, God led the Israelite people out of Egypt and, uh, and led them through the wilderness and provided for their needs, provided food and provided water and just, just provided for everything they needed and guided them along their journey. So we're going to pick up the story from there because we've got half, more than half of the book of Exodus left. Yeah, they, t- they, took, they, they, they took the first quarter and the second quarter left me with the whole half of the book. Uh, <laughs> so we're, um, we're going to start in, in, uh, in chapter 19. And chapter 19 is where uh, uh, the, the, the Israelites stop off and Moses says, hey, listen, fam, you guys wait here. I'm going to go up the mountain because God and I are going to have a chat. So Moses goes up the mountain to have a chat with God. And uh, all the people are down at the bottom of the mountain just kind of sitting around waiting for Moses to come back. And, uh, and then in chapter, uh, chapter 20, we get the Ten Commandments, of course. God gives the Ten Commandments. You know, I've all seen the Charlton Heston movie where he's got the big tablets. Or maybe you saw the History of the World, the Mel Brooks movie. I don't know, one of the two. But, but Moses, but the thing is, is it doesn't stop there, you see, because chapter 20 is the Ten Commandments. But then starting in chapter one, ten, uh, 21, we've got ten more chapters of rules and instructions and stuff. Like, you know, James showed up. Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 25, it says, If you make an altar of stone for me, do not build it with dressed stones, or you will defile it with, uh, if you use a tool on it. And do not go up my altar steps on steps, or your private parts will be exposed. Okay. All right, so let's, let's skip ahead a little bit. Skip ahead. So, so ch- chapter 23, verse 19. Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil into the house of the Lord your God. Okay. Do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Okay, let's flip ahead. Let's flip ahead. So, <laughs> so it keeps going, and, and, and there's more instructions. There's, like, instructions on how to build the tabernacle. Okay, build this tent, and the table's got to be 24 cubits long by 34 cubits high, and it's supposed to have a, a lip around the edge of it that's it's five. 
wait a minute. And then we get a little bit further and we get into the, the you know, talking about the fashion, right? Talks about the priests and all they're supposed to wear the, the, the really hip clothes with the, you know, the purple and the gold and the, and the bling. And, and you get 10 chapters into Exodus and you're like, what is all this stuff? And so Moses has got all these rules, not just the 10 that are on, but the whole thing. And he comes down the mountain and he finds all the people of Israel gathered around this gold statue of a lamb having an orgy. Say, wait a minute. Yeah, no, the Bible's PG-13. They edited it. Trust me. If you read it in the original, you go, oh, oh, okay. No, the people went wild without Moses. They went nuts, and so there's this whole big fight, and the people are, and it's just craziness, because the whole thing, the ringleader of the whole thing was Moses' brother, and Moses comes down and said, bro, what you do? He's like, I don't know. People gave me all this gold. I threw it in a fire, and out came this lamb. No, it's serious. It's in the book. That's what he says. And so Moses gets all upset, and God gets all upset, and everything smashes. So he goes back up the mountain. And then we've got the rest of Exodus from chapters 33 all the way to 40, which basically just repeats everything we just heard in chapters 20 through, through 30. We get the same stuff all over again. Same rules, same instructions about building the tabernacle. I mean, literally, look at chapter 34, verse 26. What does it say? Bring the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord and do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. We just read that. You just told us that. So we've got all this book, this, this uh, like 21 chapters of rules about here's what to do and here's how to cook and here's how to build a tent and here's how to, how to you know, the priest should dress and here's all this, here's all this going and this is what these jerks left for me to preach on this morning. I don't know, did I offend you somehow? I mean, did I do something? I mean, I don't know. I, it's, it's crazy. Seriously, though. Seriously, though. This is what we're going to talk about. And, um, and, you know, if I was to take the easy way out, I could just preach on the Ten Commandments or I could talk about the golden calf or all that stuff. But y'all know me well enough to know I'm not taking the easy route. So we're going to have some fun this morning. <laughs> so let's pray and let's get into it. God, thank you for that time of worship we had this morning where we could just, just really focus in on you and your love for us and your, your, your mercy and your, your character. And we pray that as we dig into your word that you will give us ears to hear and a heart to hear what you have to say, and to guide us to be more like you. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, what do we do? What do we do with all these crazy rules and instructions and stuff that we find in the Old Testament? What do we do with it? I mean, how many of you, I mean, I don't know about the rest of you, I grew up I grew up old school Pentecostal, right? Old school Pentecostal. So we had all kinds of rules. I mean, we had all kinds of rules, right? Like no cuffed pants. Like cuffing your pants was sinful. No joke. No joke. Uh, my hair's okay, 
you know, I got it nice and short. But, you know, guys are not supposed to wear hair, you know, past the collar. But ladies had to have hair that went up to here. You know what I'm talking about, you know. And, of course, the dresses had to go down to the ankle and then to the, and, to the, and up to the, you know. We had all kinds of rules. And so I remember, you know, when I was gotten to be a certain age, I'm like, I'm going to read through the Bible all the way through. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read through the whole, I'm going to power through the whole thing. So I go through Genesis, and okay, that's cool. And I go through the first part of Exodus, and oh, yeah, that's cool. I got the, get the Ten Commandments and the, the plagues and all that sort of stuff. That's cool. And then you get into Exodus, and you're like, what is going on here? The, where did all this come from? Because there's a whole bunch of rules here, but they're none of the rules that I had to grow up with. I couldn't find the rules I grew up with anywhere. There were all these other rules that we didn't even pay any attention to. And what's going on? And, of course, if you keep reading the next book in the Bible, Leviticus, that's all it is. More rules. And if you really want a cure for insomnia, try reading the book of Numbers. Those of you who have powered through the whole Bible, you know what I'm talking about. That's the greatest cure for insomnia in the world is the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. No joke. But seriously, what do we do with this? What do we do with all these rules and all this stuff that we find in the Old Testament, that we look and we go, man, this stuff is crazy. This stuff is, is, is bizarre. It's weird. And there's usually three options that Christians do. There's three things that we'll do with, the, with, with a lot of this stuff in the Old Testament. One is we'll cherry pick, right? We'll pick out the stuff we like and we'll ignore the rest of it. So, like, we pick out the Ten Commandments. Okay, that's cool. All right, I can dig on the pen, Ten Commandments. Uh, we like Psalms, most of it. We'll ignore a few of them. We like Proverbs, most of it. We like, 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 uh, we like Jeremiah 29, 11. We love that one, right? I know the plans I have made for you and all that sort of stuff. Or, or the other one that uh, we love to cherry pick is that, uh, 1 Chronicles 7. Like, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. It's like, oh, yeah, that's a good one. We'll take that. But we'll just kind of ignore the rest of it. That's what, that's what a lot of people do. A second option a lot of people do is they create categories because they know they're cherry-picking, but they want to have some sort of justification as to why they're cherry-picking, right? So they come up with these categories. Well, the Old Testament law is divided into the moral law, the civil law, and the ceremonial law. And we're not required to obey the civil law and the ceremonial law, only the moral law. You ever heard that? I mean, if you've ever read any, if you grew up in the right church, you probably heard that somewhere. The problem is, it's all made up. In the Bible, it doesn't say this is a ceremonial law, this is a moral law, this is the this. It just says this is the rules, do it. So we'll throw that one out. Option number three is also pretty common. We just ignore it. <laughs> we just don't talk about it. We just don't talk about the Old Testament and all the rules and everything. We just ignore it. We unhitch ourselves from it. That's a, been a word that's been in the, in the popular media lately. We unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. We just don't need the Old Testament. We're, we're Christians. We believe in the New Testament. We follow the New Testament, not the old. The old's the old stuff. And we got, we're new. We're new believers. And if you think that makes it easier, you haven't read the New Testament. Okay, seriously, there, I mean, there's, have you read Revelation? Have you read the book of Hebrews? I mean, 
it's, 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 it doesn't make it any easier. I mean, you tell me how the, the story of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5 works out. Have a chat with me about that one. I'd love to have a chat because that one's, that one's, nobody's got an answer, a good answer on that one. But the thing is, all of these options misuse the scriptures. All of these options misunderstand what the Bible is for and what it's about. So what are we supposed to do with all these laws? What are they there for? What's the deal with all this, all this regulation and all these rules in the Old Testament? Well, let's talk about it in these terms. We've got a lot of people here this morning who are new parents, right? Or, or you have young children, or maybe you were a young child recently. <laughs> I have a daughter, she's 24 years old. She lives in Milwaukee on her own right now. So, you know, when she was little, it was, don't touch the stove, it's hot, you'll burn yourself. Don't touch the stove. Don't ever touch the stove. Or, don't cross the street, you stay on our side of the street, right? Okay, if, I, if those rules were still in effect right now, she would be starving and wouldn't have a job. Because now that she's 24 years old, she's calling me up going, Dad, how do I make chicken Alfredo? Well, okay, first you got to make a roux, and you got to, <laughs> she's got to go, she, the rules have changed. Why? Because she's older now, right? The rules have changed. So, and we're not gonna even going to talk about sex, but the rules change, all right? <laughs> the rules change. The same thing's true with God. Same thing's true with God, right? Let's look at Exodus chapter 21. This is part of what we're looking at here. Exodus chapter 1, 21, excuse me, says, If you buy a Hebrew servant, he is to serve you for six years, but in the seventh year he shall go free without paying anything. But if a man sells his daughter as a servant, she should not go free as the male servants do. Hold the phone. Hold up now. So the NIV even makes it nicer because they use the word servant instead of slave. It's like, it's like, oh, we don't want to use that word slave. That's not politically correct. Okay, it's a slave. That's what they're talking about. They're talking about slavery. Okay, how many of you still believe that God is okay with slavery and treating girl slaves differently than your boy slaves? Come on, the Bible's true, right? All of it's, it's infallible. Wait, nobody? You see what I mean? And theologians talk about this. They talk about it with this term progressive revelation. Progressive revelation. What does that mean? That means that God deals with people where we are. Sam and I were just talking about this uh, before I came out here. You can't take people from A to Z all in one step. You know? You want, to be, you want your kid to grow up to be an engineer? Great. Cool. Where's, where's Lydia? There's, Annie and Lydia are both engineers, right? You're, you're right? You, you, okay. You didn't learn how to be an engineer when you were three or six, right? You don't start there. You start with one plus one equals two, right? And then when they get a little older, you're like, two times two equals four. 
And then you get a little older and you start talking about algebra, right? And then you get a little older and you start talking about trigonometry. And then if you get a little older, you start talking about this thing called calculus. How many of you took calculus? I took calculus. I hated calculus. I still, I'm, a, I'm a computer programmer. I still hate calculus. I don't want to have anything to do with it. But guess what? You can't teach a six-year-old calculus. You can't. Because then you've got to go from calculus to quantum physics and all kinds of stuff. We need people, but you've got to do it gradually. The rules change based on what you're able to hear. And God was working with a primitive people who were living around people who were sacrificing children in fire and who were slaughtering whole tribes and putting whole people into slavery and treating people like crap. And God's like, we got to do something about this. But, they, but God said, listen, I can't take them from here to here all at once. I got to move them gradually, step by step by step. So the rules God gave to these he, Israelites in Exodus is like, listen, you guys, are, you guys are in bad shape. So let's take step one. Step one is don't treat your, treat your slaves like crap. Don't do it, you know. There's all kinds of crazy rules in the Old Testament. And they're there for a purpose, and they're right, and they're good, but they're not for us. Because it's been a few thousand years. It's been a while. It's been a bit. And a lot of people take a look at this stuff in the Old Testament and they take it way out of context. Let me, let me, let me drop some, let me toss some grenades into the, into the room here a little bit. All right? The rules in the Old Testament were never a means for salvation, right? They were never about people being good with God. People say, oh, in the Old Testament, you know, in the, in the old days we had to obey the law to be good with God, but now we have Jesus and we have grace. No. It's always been about grace. Always been about grace. God chose the Israelites to be his people. He gave them rules and said, because you're my people, because I have chosen you, this is what I want you to do. The rules were never about being right with God. The sacrifices, all the rules about make, sacrifice a goat for this and a bird for this and sacrifice grain for this and sacrifice drink offering for this. You say, well, that's how, they, that's how they were forgiven from sins back then, but now we have Jesus' blood. No! God has always forgiven sins because he, for, he is forgiving and he is loving. The sacrifices were simply a way for the people to show their repentance it was a way for them to say, I'm sorry, God, I need forgiveness. God says, I'm good. You were good. I love you. They weren't God's people because they obeyed these rules. They obeyed the rules because they were God's people. And this tabernacle that they had to build, tabernacle wasn't anything special, but it was a way for God to start teaching people, listen, people, I don't want to just be this God way off in the, in the cosmos. I want to be a God who's with you. I want to be a God who's part of your lives. I want to live with you. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to be right there with you. 
That's what the tabernacle was about. God says, listen, you guys are going through this desert. I'm going to go with you. Build me a house. You got a house. Build me a tent so I can go with you. That was the beginning of God explaining that to the point where when Jesus came along, we're like, oh, I get it. God with us. Emmanuel. I get it. Because God had prepared the story all along to help us understand that God really wants to be with us. And then you get into the book of Acts, we talk about the Holy Spirit, and that's a whole different idea of God being with us. So then the big question that people want to want to answer is this. Which of the biblical laws, which of the rules in the Bible are we supposed to follow? Which of the rules in the Bible are we supposed to follow? The Ten Commandments, right? We're supposed to follow the Ten Commandments or, or just the New Testament. We're supposed <coughs> All right, let me pull the pin on a really good grenade here. Which biblical rules are you supposed to follow? None of them. Ooh, I could hear a pin drop. <laughs> I just blew your minds. None of them. Now, before, wait, before you start blowing up Sam's e inbox, all right, before you start blowing up, and don't do that. Don't do that. Don't blow up Sam's inbox. Blow up mine. <laughs> Send me your messages. <laughs> don't blow up Sam's inbox. Understand, I'm just saying what Jesus said. Let's take a look at this really close, all right? Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says this. Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them but to fulfill them. Uh-oh, I'm in trouble now, right? Hang on. What does Jesus mean by he didn't come to abolish them but to fulfill them? Well, there's this thing when you're interpreting the Bible, it's called context, you got to look at the bigger picture. All right, let's skip ahead in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Now what's Jesus doing here? All right, let's go back to Exodus. Exodus chapter 21. What is the rules? What do the rules say in Exodus chapter 21? It says, but if there is a serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. Those are the rules. Those are the rules. That's what you're supposed to do. And Jesus said, yeah, that's what you've heard. But that ain't right. Don't do that. All right. So didn't Jesus just basically abolish a rule? I mean, that's basically what he did. He just contradicted the Old Testament. He completely contradicted the Old Testament. The Old Testament says, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, take it, do it. That's, this is your commandment. And Jesus said, yeah, that's what it said. But that's not what you're supposed to do. Well, then now when we go back to when Jesus said he didn't come to abolish the law but to fulfill it, we have to go, huh, what did he mean then? What did he mean by he didn't come to abolish the law but to fulfill it? Here's what he meant. 
Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 7. Hopefully you've heard this before. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That's what Jesus means by he didn't come to abolish the law to fulfill it. So listen, I'm coming to tell you what the law really is, what it's really all about. Jesus said, basically Jesus said, listen, I'm coming to take the training wheels off. You've had, you've had a great little time on your little huffy with those extra, you know, outriggers on it, right? You're rolling along and you're tipping this way a little bit and you're tipping this way, but those wheels are keeping you safe. It's time to take the training wheels off. It's time for you to ride your bike. So all the training wheels about eye for eye and tooth for tooth and all the training wheels about how you treat your slaves and all the training wheels about these sacrifices and those sacrifices, those training wheels are coming off now. Here's the rule. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. That's your law. That's your rules. So don't blow up Sam's inbox. <laughs> and it's not the New Testament versus the Old Testament either. That's, that's sometimes what we get. Is, oh, Jesus said that. Well, that, Jesus has just said that the Old Testament we can ignore, but we still have to obey the New Testament laws. No, it's still the same thing. It's still the same thing. God is about progressive revelation. God is about helping people from where they're at to move closer to Jesus. And the rules that he gave to people 2,000 years ago were right for them. But not necessarily right for us. You see, the Bible is not a rule book, folks. It's not a rule book. It was never intended to be a rule book. It's not basic instructions before leaving earth. How many of you have heard that one before? Basic instructions before leaving earth. Bible. I get it. Okay, cool. Cool joke. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Um, <laughs> the Bible is not the human being instruction guide or the user guide. That's not what it's about. It's not a rule book, folks. The Bible is a love story. The Bible is a love story between man and God, and it shows how God has loved us so well for thousands and thousands of years and how we have sucked at loving God for thousands and thousands of years. That's what the Bible is about. Now, don't misunderstand me. I am not saying, and, and listen, if you're listening to me, you're hearing this, it doesn't mean we just ignore everything in the Bible and we just do what we want. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the Bible doesn't tell us how to act. It tells us who to act like. The Bible is there not to tell us how to act, but the Bible is there to tell us who we should act like. Jesus is our prototype. The Bible reveals God's character to us, most perfectly in the person of Jesus Christ. He is our prototype. He is our model. He is our, that's what it's supposed to be like to be a human being. That's what it's supposed to be like to be human. Be like that. Be like that. That's the rule. 
Now, if you think you can be like that and still bear false witness witness against your labor, we need to have have a conversation. If you think that you can be like Jesus and covet, then we need to we need to have a conversation. If you think you can love like Jesus loves and not honor your father and mother, we need to have a conversation. But it's not about obeying the rules. It's about being like Jesus. It's about being like Jesus. The Bible reveals to us what we're supposed to be like. We're supposed to be like Jesus. That's who God is. The Bible reveals to us how God has guided his people for centuries toward being like Jesus. And the Bible shows us how for centuries people have tried and failed to be like Jesus. And we need to learn from those examples. The Bible, we need it. Old Testament and New Testament. Because it helps us understand the trajectory. How has God been moving us? Where is God pointing us? Where is he taking us to? But it's not there for us to go, well, those are the rules. That's what the Bible says. Let's just do that. No. The training wheels are off now. It's up to us to say, how can I be like Jesus? It's about transformation, folks. It's about intimacy with God. And when we really get intimate with God, when we really get close to him and say, God, I want to know you. I want to really get to know you. I want to love you. It starts to change us. It starts to change us. Now, I know I'm old. I have been married for 30 years plus. And you guys, none of you guys knew me 30 years ago or 35 years ago. But I'm here to tell you, being married to that woman has changed me for the good. Trust me, you, you wouldn't like me when I was 35 or 35 years ago. You wouldn't have liked me. I was a jerk. Some of you are saying, well, you kind of still are. Yeah, well, imagine what I was like back then. No, loving someone changes you. Being in a relationship with someone, an intimate relationship with someone for a long period of time changes you. Folks, if you're in that kind of relationship with Jesus, it's going to change you. It's going to transform you. And that's the goal. So here's the thing. How do we decide how to live without laws and rules? Paul talked about it in Philippians chapter 2. Put it up there, James. Paul says, therefore, my dear children, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation in fear and trembling. What does that mean? means take it seriously, folks. Fear and trembling, he means take it seriously. How you live matters to God. Just because we don't have to follow all these rules and regulations doesn't mean it doesn't matter what we do. It matters incredibly what we do. It's serious business. We need to have a rule of life. We need to have guardrails. Those of you who were here a few, a couple of months ago when we went through our series on guardrails, you need guardrails. You need an ethic. You need a life ethic. We need these things. We need to learn how God has guided his people throughout history. Not just the Old Testament, not just the New Testament, but look at some of the new stuff. Look at, look at what God did in, in people like Oregon. Say, who is that? Yeah, it was a long time ago. 
or Augustine or Luther. Oh, that guy you know. You've heard that name, right? Or Calvin or Wesley. How would God guide them throughout the course of human history? How has God guided humanity towards being more like Jesus? And then we have to decide how to implement being like Jesus in this world today, in our culture today. How do we do that? You know, like I said, I grew up legalistic. No cuffs, don't go to movies, don't play cards, don't, you know, don't, uh, don't play pool. Uh, you guys know the rules, right? The great theologian N.T. Wright said it this way. He said, each generation has to go back and learn afresh what it was that Jesus was doing in his own context. We can never finish learning that. We can't rely on what our parents told us. We can't rely on what our growing up pastor told us or our Sunday school teacher told us. It's our job to dig in and say, what was Jesus trying to teach us? And he says, and each generation then has to say, now what would that mean for us in our context where we are now? How do we do that? How do we do that? I'll tell you. We have to do it in a community. It's never, it was never meant to be done alone. It was never meant to be you and your Bible going, what should I do? No. When, when Paul wrote that in Philippians, the, the, you know, work out your salvation, that your is plural. English kind of hides it from us, but that's a plural. He's saying, church, all y'all, together, work it out. Work it out together in a community. We need teachers. We need people who are called to dig deep into the scriptures and go and look at the history of stuff and look at the, what the words meant in the original languages and, and, and what the culture was back then. And Because we can't all do that kind of research. We can't all do that digging. That's why we need a church. We need other believers to call us on our crap when we go, oh, well, you know what, God's okay with this. So, whoa, 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 hold up. Let's talk about this. I mean, how many times as a pastor have I heard somebody come up to me and go, oh, yeah, well, God told me I should divorce my wife. Oh, really? Let's have a chat. Let's talk about that. Because when we do it alone, we give ourselves permission to do whatever we want. But when we do it in a community, we got people who are a part of our life, and they go, wait, hold on, bro. That ain't right. We need people who can call us on our crap. And we need to do it in grace and understand that we're all on a different path. We're all in different spots along the road. Paul wrote a letter to the church in Rome. And the church in Rome was torn apart by rules. They had some people that said, oh, we need to obey these rules. And some people said, no, 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 we got these rules. And I said, oh, they were torn apart. Paul said, whoa, family, chill. Have some grace. If your brother disagrees with you on something, he's still your brother. Love him. Be patient. Be graceful. I just want to tell you, if, if you're here this morning, I'm going to close up quick. If you're here this morning and you've been beating yourself up because you couldn't follow all the rules, you couldn't keep all the rules, you couldn't figure out how to live according to all the rules, 
saying, stop it, chill. God loves you. No matter what you do, no matter what you've done, no matter what you're going to do tomorrow, no matter how many times you screw up, God loves you. He hasn't rejected you. He's not done with you. But if you're here on the other side of the coin and you're like, hey, man, it's all about grace. I said the prayer, right? I said the, I said the sinner's prayer. God loves me. You know, it's, it's by grace we're saved, not by works, so I can do what I want. Hold on. Stop it. What you do matters to God. And you need to take it seriously. Even though the Bible's not a rule book, you still, there's still some pretty high standards involved here. Have you looked at Jesus lately? It's a pretty high standard. It still matters. And folks, lean into a community of faith like this one where you can have a group of people who are going to call you on your crap and who are going to help you on that path because you were never meant to do it alone. And just to, to wrap up, i got to say, and I'm going to really censor myself here, this world we live in is completely messed up. This country we live in is completely messed up. You hear me? There's. I'm, I'm censoring myself here really hard. But let me explain something. Better government and better laws are not going to fix this. And we got an election coming up, and I'm not saying don't vote. That's not what I'm saying. Vote your conscience. Do it. But that's not where our hope is. We've been putting laws and rules and governments in place for thousands of years, and it hasn't fixed human beings, not a bit. This last week has been hell in this country. But if you know history, it's happened before. Rules and laws don't fix it. Better social media arguments don't fix it either. Hello? The only hope that we have for fixing this screwed up world and this screwed up country is Jesus Christ and the love that he has shown us and the transforming power of a relationship with him. That is the only hope. And if there's one thing I can encourage you this morning is that we as a community, and Sam talked about it earlier, we as a community have got to lean into it and say this is what can be. This is what it can look like. This is what a loving, graceful society based on the teachings of Jesus Christ can look like. Come join us. Come join us. Say, well, that won't fix anything anytime soon. Never said it was going to happen fast. But it's the only way it's going to happen. The hope, honestly, and I, this sounds like a cliche, but the hope of this world that we live in, the hope of this country that we live in, is the church being what God intended for it to be. 
showing that it's not about rules, it's not about this, it's about love. God, I thank you for the time that we've spent this morning looking into your word. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.